Good evening. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Acts. We've lived through some wild times just these past few years. Feels like the last four years are a total whirlwind. But one year that, that, that sticks out to me and sometimes kind of gets overlooked was the year 2016. Some of you already are thinking, oh no. But in the year 2016, just as a fun little experiment, if you want, Go back and read through some of the things that were in the news cycle in 2016, particularly in regards to pop culture. It was one of the strangest years for pop culture in my lifetime. Felt like every celebrity was dying. We had clowns in public places. We had zoo animals being executed. And, and so much so that, that I was reading an article and it said, 2016 was the year that viral sensations went viral. Talking about this idea of something going viral. A, a, a phenomenon that, that all of us now in the age of the internet are, are familiar with. And one particular thing that, that struck me as so strange that happened in the year 2016 was this game came out. I'm glad that Canaan is sitting here because I feel that he at least will understand this, this analogy. This game was Pokemon Go. I knew nothing about Pokemon. I know nothing about Pokemon. All I know is this was my last year of college and suddenly my campus is full of people just staring at their phones in groups walking around excitedly chasing after stuff that's not even really there in physical presence. The app launched, the game launched in July of 2016, had instant success. Within a month, within two months, three months, it seemed like everyone in a certain age demographic was like obsessed with this game. It had gone from this, this small thing that just an idea that no one had heard of to a, now something that had taken over an entire generation. I can't explain how strange it was to stand on a college campus in the summer of 2016 and watch hordes of people playing this game. Maybe you've seen it. Maybe you saw it. And then, in time... It seems that that too has passed away and moved on. But as I was studying and I was preparing for the book of Acts, it just got me thinking about this idea of viral sensations, the way we watch the gospel spread through the nations, the way we watch the gospel spread from the time of Jesus through the book of Acts, through the Acts of the Apostles, the gospel spread two years 32 years, and that's it. And in that time, we see the gospel go from, from this small cluster of believers, of followers of Jesus, who watch Jesus ascend into heaven, who receive his final words on earth. And we watch the gospel rapidly spread from Jerusalem to, to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I'm going to read for us Acts 1.8. Josh read it earlier as a part of our call to worship. But I think this verse really encapsulates what the book of Acts is all about. 
These are Jesus' final words to his, to his disciples before he ascends into heaven. This is after the resurrection. And he says, and he speaks to his apostles. He says, but you receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into the heavens will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. And so Acts is a, a book that's about the apostles following that command of Jesus. It's a book about the, the power of the Holy Spirit that descends on the apostles to enable and to empower them to, to carry out the task and the mission that Jesus has given them. It is a, a book about the fulfillment of the Great Commission. It is a book about the gospel of Jesus Christ spreading from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And this right here tells us how this is going to happen, that a, Jesus promises a power. A pow you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come unto you, and you will be my witnesses. And so the apostles are called, they are appointed to the task of witnesses of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is the thesis of the book of Acts, Acts 1.8. And we'll see even in the divisions of the book of Acts, even the divisions of the book of Acts are centered around that thesis. The, the divisions of the book of Acts, when we look at the book of Acts through, in a whole uh, as a whole one through chapter one through 28, we see the whole story being the story of the gospel being taken to, to Jerusalem, to Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And so when we look at the divisions, we have Acts 1 through 12, and that's Peter's ministry in Jerusalem, and Peter's ministry to the Jews. See, Peter spends the first half of the book of Acts ministering to the Jews and ministering in Jerusalem and in the surrounding areas. And then in the book shifts, the second division of the book of Acts is in Acts chapter 13 all the way through 28 where, where the story shifts, the main character shifts. It shifts from following Peter's journey to now following Paul's journey. And we have Paul taking the gospel primarily to the Gentiles. Paul's ministry is primarily a ministry to the Gentiles in Gentile, um, in Gentile cities. And so even in the divisions, thinking about Acts as, as in two parts, part one being, being Peter's ministry to, to the Jews, and part two, 12 through 28, being Paul's ministry to the Gentiles, even in the division, we see the thesis revealed, right? The thesis that the gospel will go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And we see that even in the division of the book, the structure of the book. See, Acts, is, Acts is, a, is a narrative book. It's the last narrative, true narrative we have in the Bible. It's the last narrative book of, of the New Testament. It covers a span of 32 years, 28 chapters. 
I have 19 minutes left on this little countdown. I don't have time to go through every major event of the book of Acts. So we're going to be looking at a big picture overview and highlighting specific major events that, 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 that highlight and emphasize the theme and the thesis of the book of Acts. So some major events we see in the book of Acts that, that take place and how that, that calling, the calling to the apostles is fulfilled. The first event is, is in Acts chapter two. And that's the Holy Spirit falling on the apostles. Turn with me to, to Acts chapter two, verse one through four. It says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it fulfilled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so in almost no time at all from, from Jesus giving this command to the apostles to be his witness in, in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and then the promise of a power that would come, the power of God's spirit that would come to them and empower them on this, on this mission, in almost no time at all, we see the fulfillment of that power coming onto the, the apostles. It says the Holy Spirit falls like fire onto the apostles. So the apostles receive this power of the Spirit. And that's a power that, that, that empowers them to carry out the mission that God has given them, the mission that Jesus has called them to, to take the gospel and be witnesses of the gospel. And then we see, skipping forward in Acts chapter 10, we see the Holy Spirit doesn't just fall on, on the apostles, but we actually see the Holy Spirit fall on, on the Gentiles. And this is a significant switch in the book of Acts. This is a significant event in the book of Acts because primarily from, from Jesus' ministry and Jesus' ministry on earth through the Gospels and then for the first uh, really nine to ten chapters of of Acts, we see prime, the primary audience being a Jewish audience. Right? The primary audience of, of Jesus' teaching, of, of Peter's teaching, is a primarily Jewish audience. But in Acts chapter 10, Peter receives a vision. Peter has a dream where, where, where God speaks to him and says, Do not call unclean what I have made clean. And God reveals to Peter that, that the gospel is not just for the Jews, but also the Gentiles. And in Acts 10, we see the Holy Spirit fall on the Gentiles. Turn to 10, 44 through 48. It says, while Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. And then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then, then they asked him to remain for some days. And so the gospel is received by the Gentiles and the Holy Spirit falls upon the Gentiles and they believe and they receive the Spirit. And so there we see the, 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 an even further fulfillment of, of Acts 1.8, that, 
that now the gospel is being taken to the ends of the earth, to the Gentiles, those who are, who are non-Jews, are receiving the Holy Spirit. They are believing. They are being baptized. And this caused some division in the church because there were some within the, within the church in Jerusalem who didn't think that the gospel could be for the Gentiles, who didn't believe that the Gentiles could receive the Holy Spirit. And so the church at Jerusalem and the church at Antioch, they get together and they have a council. And the council says, you do not need to be circumcised to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You need, to be, you need to put your faith in Jesus Christ and your justification comes through faith in Jesus alone, both to the Jew and to the Gentile. And we see the gospel for all people, the gospel making its way to the Gentiles. And then the story, the story continues to, to change and it, it shifts from, from Peter's ministry to Paul's ministry. And, and, and the, the story of Acts highlights Paul's conversion. And that's a story that, that those of us who grew up in the church are, are likely very familiar with. The story of how, how Paul, this man, Paul, used to persecute the, the, the believers. He was, he was one who, who was active in persecuting the believers. And, and in fact, he was so active in persecuting believers that on the road to Damascus, he was going to get more documentation to continue persecuting Christians. And on that road, Jesus called out to him and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he left his old ways and followed after Jesus. It says scales covered his eyes and he, was, and, he, and he committed his life to following Jesus and taking part in, in the, the command of Acts 1-8 to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And so the story switches and follows now Paul's ministry journey. And Paul's ministry is a, a ministry that primarily takes place in Gentile spaces. Paul, 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 Paul does preach to both Jews and Gentiles, but the bulk of Paul's ministry is to Gentiles. And so we see the gospel going from, from, from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and now to the ends of the earth, the Gentile people that cover all of the earth. And then the last half uh, uh, from, from chapter 15 all the way through 28 follow Paul's three separate missionary journeys and detail his journeys as he travels through the Greek and Roman Empire. And the story that is told and the story that unfolds is the story of this gospel that started with a small followers, a small group of followers of Jesus. That within a few years span covers the face of the largest and most powerful empire of the time. The gospel spreads through Asia. The gospel spreads through uh, Europe, through, through, through Greece, in, into Rome. And so we see the gospel being taken to the ends of the earth. And I want to talk about three major themes in the book of Acts. Three themes and how those themes are, are relevant and apply to us today. So the first theme that we're going to talk about is, is that God accomplishes his will through human vessels. 
God accomplishes his will through human vessels. And to see that in the scripture, we only have to go back to that verse we've already mentioned like four times, Acts 1.8. That, that, that God has, has a will that the gospel would be spread from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. And how does he accomplish that? He accomplished that in two ways. One, through the power of his spirit. And two, through the apostles who are his witness in those places. And so it's the combination of the power of the Holy Spirit with the human vessels, the apostles who, who respond to the call to go who respond to the commission, who respond to the command to be God's witness in those places. So God accomplishes his will through human vessels. When you read the book of Acts, you you can come to the, the question, how did God spread the gospel? How did God establish his church? And it's one, by his by the power of his spirit, absolutely. And it's two, through human vessels. And we today are the church. And God still accomplishes his will through human vessels. And that's us. And that's the role that we play. That's the role that that, that we play as the church, as followers of Christ. That God accomplishes his will through us. Not by our power, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so it's, it's our faithfulness, our willingness to go where God sends us, to, to, to live and follow what God would have us do, combined with the power of the Holy Spirit. God uses human vessels. God uses his church to accomplish his will. There's a lot of, there's a lot of talk about, about the book of Acts, particularly with, with the, the debate between is, is the book of Acts descriptive or is it prescriptive? And, I, and then usually that conversation surrounds the, the, the unique work of the Holy Spirit in Acts. But I think that, that kind of misses, that, that, that question kind of misses the main theme of Acts, which is not just that the Spirit works in, in, in certain ways in the book of Acts, but the bigger question is why is the Spirit working in this way? And the Spirit is working in this way, in the way that it works in the book of Acts. And you will see some miraculous works of the Spirit. You will see the apostles healing. You will see the apostles um, performing miracles. You will see the apostles doing unthinkable acts, things that, that, that we could, by our own human imagination, never, never imagine doing, by our own power, never accomplish. We see jail doors fling wide open by the power of of the Spirit. But there's a purpose for that. There's a purpose behind the Spirit working in that way. The Spirit is working in that way to establish His church, to establish God's church, and to take the gospel, and to take the gospel to the nations. And so as the church now, today, when we look, we, I, don't, I think we get too caught up with, is that power prescriptive or is it, is it descriptive? I think what's prescriptive is the command of Jesus that, that, that we are to be his witnesses. And how are we to do that? It's by the power of his spirit. And God, God's spirit will work in whatever way God's spirit needs to work in our lives. 
It's the faithfulness of the believer and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so for us today, God still uses us. God uses the church. God uses faithful followers of him, faithful followers of Jesus to accomplish his will. A second theme is that no scheme of man can thwart the will of God. No scheme of man can thwart the will of God. There's a really great verse in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, that, that, that talks about this idea. And we see this idea recurring through, throughout the Bible, that the schemes of the evil cannot thwart the will of God. And I see that we see that in Acts. And there's a couple places we see, that, we see that happen in Acts. See, the book of Acts is not a book just about the church flourishing, but it's also about the church flourishing amidst persecution. See, there are those with vested interest in stopping the spread of the gospel, right? Paul, before his conversion, being one of those, persecuting the church, actively attacking the church. Stephen, in Acts chapter 7, Stephen was, was stoned to death for preaching the gospel, Paul, before his conversion, persecuted the church. The church received persecution, and yet even in the midst of persecution, the church flourished and the gospel spread. But the gospel didn't just spread despite the persecution. The gospel actually spread through the persecution. And one really cool place we see that, one really cool place we see that is, is in the church at Antioch. See, Antioch is one of the major churches in the book of Acts. We have really three churches that are, that are emphasized more than any others in the book of Acts. You've got the, the, the church at Jerusalem, the church at Antioch, and the church at Ephesus. But the church at Antioch was founded because believers, the apostles, those who were spreading the gospel in Jerusalem, were drove out of Jerusalem because of persecution. And they settled in this town to about 100, 200 miles north of Jerusalem in Syria called Antioch. And as they were fleeing persecution, they were actively spreading the gospel. And where they were spreading the gospel, fleeing persecution, the church grew and was established. And God established his church in the midst of persecution, but also because of, because of the persecution. That God is sovereign over both the good and the bad. God is God when things are going really well for the church and really well for the followers of, of, of Jesus. But God is also sovereign and good even when things are going bad. And there, is, there, are, there are schemes and evil schemes <clears throat> that are attempting to thwart the will of God, that are attempting to stop the spread of the gospel. And and they have no power against the power of the Holy Spirit, the power that the apostles have received, the power that the church has. And the third theme is that the message of the gospel calls people to repentance. It, the, the message of the gospel either calls people to repentance or it reveals their rebellion. I have two examples of this. First is in Acts chapter 2, verse 37 through 41. If you, have, if you have your Bibles, turn there and read along. 
This is after Peter gives his first message in Jerusalem. Peter receives the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter two, and he, he gives this sermon to the people there on the day at Pentecost. And at the end of this, we get to, to verse 37. It says, and now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continues to exhort them, saying, save yourself from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. So here we see an example of the word of God calling people to repentance. And those who receive it are baptized, and it says that about 3,000, about 3,000 receive the word of God and are baptized. And so the, 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 the message of the gospel calls people to repentance, but the message of the gospel also reveals people's rebellion. The same message that can call people to repentance also reveals their rebellion. So turn to, to Acts chapter 7 verse 54 through 60, and this is Stephen. This is, Stephen gives this message to, to the Jewish leaders of the time. And he gives this long sermon. And they respond in a very different way. And it says, and now when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice, and stopped their ears, and rushed at him. And then they cast him out of the city, and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he said this, he fell asleep. So here we see the gospel reveals the people's rebellion. And so there are two responses to the gospel. One, there's a, there's a call to repentance, right? The, the gospel calls people to repentance. And then on the other hand, it reveals people's rebellion. As you read through the book of Acts, you will see this theme over and over and over again. Paul, in his journey, where he go, when, he goes to, when he goes to Athens, when he goes to, to all the cities in Asia Minor, he preaches the gospel, and there are always two responses. There's a group who, who hears, who receives his word, who receives the gospel of Jesus Christ, who repents of their sin and is baptized. And then there's a group who hears the gospel, and they respond with rebellion. They respond in rebellion. The Bible talks about the word of God as, as a double-edged sword. And in this case, we see the gospel of Jesus Christ calling two distinct responses. One, it calls people to repentance, or it reveals their rebellion. 
The story of Acts is a story of, 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 of some receiving the word of God and being called to repentance. And it's a story of others who do not receive that word, who are hardened from it and act in their rebellion, and they drive the apostles from, from town to town. But you know what the apostles do as they go from town to town, being driven out by those in, in rebellion to Jesus Christ? They spread the gospel in those towns. And so the gospel continues to grow in the midst of persecution. And we think about all three of those themes, those, those three themes really make up, I think, one whole truth that's greater than the, than the sum of each part. And that is this, that if God accomplishes his will through human vessels, that's us, the church, right? Those who follow after Christ, those who, who live for him. God accomplishes his will through human vessels and his will is to, is, is to make the gospel known, to make his name known, that the, the, that the gospel would be proclaimed among every tribe, every tongue, every nation. And he accomplishes that through human vessels. And that message, that gospel that we are called to proclaim calls people either to repentance or reveals their rebellion. And so there's either the, the repentance of those who are righteous or the, the rebellion of those who are evil. But no scheme of evil can thwart the will of God. And so even those who respond in evil and, and, and drive out the apostles, you know what the apostles do? They continue going back to the will, doing the will of God and God accomplishes his will through them and calls more people to repentance. When the, when the apostles are driven out of Antioch, or when the apostles are driven to Antioch, rather, and out of Jerusalem because of persecution, you know what the apostles do? They spread the gospel in Antioch, and the church explodes. When Paul is thrown into jail because of preaching the gospel, you know what he does? He preaches the gospel to the jailer. The gospel of Jesus Christ and the will of God cannot be stopped. No scheme of evil man can thwart the will of God. God has, is sovereign in, in persecution and in times of flourishing. The book of Acts is a book of God accomplishing his mission, his purpose, that the gospel would be made known, that the church would be established. And God is sovereign, meaning no, no, no scheme of man can thwart his will. God is sovereign when things are, are going well, when things are flourishing, and God is sovereign in the midst of our hurting, in the midst of our persecution. But the, 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 the will of God cannot, uh, cannot be thwarted. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for your word. God, I pray that when we look at the book of Acts, we would be encouraged as, as believers to see that, that the church is a part of the sovereign will of God. God, I, I pray that we would be a church that is faithful to doing your will and faithful to, to being witnesses wherever we are called to go. 
whether that be here, whether that be other parts of, of the nation or other parts of the world, that we would be witnesses to your gospel. Pray these things in your name. Amen.